Hey guys, Stu from the future here. Just back in my DeLorean to say, it's your kids, Marty. Something's got to be done about your kids. Oh, hang on. Yeah, sorry, wrong message. It's to say that Brad was unfortunately having a few technical difficulties, so the quality of his audio is not great. Don't worry, he's been punished. He won't make the mistake again. Enjoy the podcast. And welcome to the Mental Health Baby podcast. We have made it to episode 25. And as a bit of a treat, maybe, we are going to just talk about our top game of the generation. So let's get to Mental Health Chat this week, uh, because this one will probably go on a bit as we talk about a numerous game. As usual, I am joined by Stu. How you doing, Stu? Oh, not bad. Good, good. So, start off with the game chat. And me and Stu are both our own personal top five games of the eighth generation. Again, they're per- going to be personal dates. I think some might even be cross-generation, so don't have us. No, it's just our own favourites. Probably aren't in line with too many this that you'll hear, most likely. So we'll start a countdown to 5-1 and we'll go alternately. So Stu, if you want to start with your number five. Yeah, so, for my number five, an odd one for me, bit of a departure from my normal playing uh, list, it's uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. So, and un- as I say, it's unusual for me because I tend to play more immediately accessible games and a bit more arcadey, but it really struck a chord with me, and I do play the odd, you know, walking simulator, as they're derisively called sometimes, Um I class it as immersive storytelling. And what Edith Finch does so brilliantly for me, it's a metaphorical walk through family history, but it also manifests as like a literal walk around a family home. And the unique part with this game is how deep and personally affecting the stories are. So to not go into the background too much, because it'll probably be a bit redundant, but basically, yeah, you wander around your family home that you've inherited and you find out pieces of information and clues and setups of rooms that explain your family's personalities to you, their inner life. And it does that in gaming terms by going off on fantastical little journeys. So they're very much like living daydreams that you're inhabiting and like Gone Home which I also really loved uh, it's got a real power to it because it operates in the past it it operates in retrospect so your actions are unlocking this oral history and it blends the reality of these people's like mostly sad lives uh, with the fantasies that they overlaid onto their lives to make them bearable and it's laying these fairy tales out in front of you and it's asking you to sort of pay attention, to listen and to puzzle solve so that you can understand your past. And that backwards focus, that walk backwards into the path is almost anathema to what video games are normally like. And as I say, it's hugely affecting. It's so it's such a personal story, but it's also very universal. And it goes into family dynamics and it goes into the, the sadness of small lives and the sadness of loss it's very melancholic but it's 
deeply affecting, very mature, very intelligent. And it's something that I think anyone who's even got a mild interest should play. Well, I, I played it, and again, I got maybe, uh, I don't want to say bored of potential walking simulators, but I'm kind of, a lot of them mechanically just didn't hold me. Um, but Edith Finch, I felt, stepped above being a walking simulator. It wasn't along the lines of other ones I've played, where it is just straight up, just walking around and barely interacting. It felt like there was more to it. It was one of those that felt more like an interactive experience or a personal experience that you was actually intruding on someone's life and getting to feel what they're feeling. And I, I thought that done it better than most others that came before it. Yes, definitely. It's probably the the best of that type that I've that I've played, yeah. I think, as well as it being the best in this generation. And it's been a generation of these games. And as yeah, I say, yeah, it's a bit yeah, the pinnacle. Well. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, quite oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Quite a few, some more viscerally than others, but it certainly really goes for the feels and it hits them every time for me. So it's yeah, yeah. for me it's you know, pretty much that genre perfected. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it stands out, I think, many of those, those sort of titles. And, yeah, that, that's definitely the place in someone's top list anyway. So I'm glad to see you've done it. So for me, my number five is Dead Cells. I came to a little bit late, actually. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Metroidvania games, and I really, really do enjoy mobile. Uh, Dead Cell ticked both those boxes. I, I, I don't know. It looked like everything I saw about it was like, oh, it is difficult and it gets it gets a bit tedious at the end. And I was put off by that for a little while. I wasn't willing to spend out nine or twenty quid and then find I'm probably going to play it for half an hour or so. But I played it and the combat in that game, the movement, the, the sense of discovery, the up. Even the way the roguelike mechanics work, everything about it is just absolutely sublime. Visually, it is outstanding, and it's just it sets itself apart from a lot of other roguelike Metroidvanias out there. It, it easily sits on top, and I, I, I thought Dave, I can still go back to time and time again, just do a run. It doesn't matter if it's a good run or a bad run. Or beat it or only get one never win. It's just so, so satisfying to play. And as I get older and I get less time to really dedicate hours upon hours a huge story based game, these are the sort of games that really do it for me. That it doesn't actually matter if you're gonna complete the game. Uh, you still get something from it. And yeah, there's oh, the balance in it is just so Good gameplay loop is so damn good as well. It's yeah, amazing, absolutely amazing game. Yeah, funnily enough, I've not actually played that in any real amount. I've had a quick blast, but it was just it, it, it hit Game Pass just after I'd completed Bloodstained. So I was like, yeah. oh, God, I'm, I'm not doing another Metrovania yet. Um, but it's, it's definitely one on the list. And I, the graphics I love as well. I, it's yeah. definitely worth a shout out for those because. Yeah, they they're just perfect for that kind of game, I think. Oh, it is, and um, I think I've got one more two D retroish style game on there, so I'll I'll mention it now. Dead Cells is the living embodiment of what sixteen bit creators wanted to 
create, but to didn't have the power to do. You know, you look at it and it's got the old school mechanics. It's so damn good. You know, it doesn't need to be 3D and, or anything like that. It uses 2D to its advantage, but just gives a visible experience of a just, wow, visual wonderment that you just couldn't put off. Even 10 years ago, I don't think. Um, and yeah, it just does it absolutely perfectly. And the comparison you made to Bloodstain is interesting that that maybe put you off playing it originally. Two games are night and day in terms of how they play. I mean, it's like say, it, to compare them would be almost like saying that FIFA is a lot like, um, you know, NHL as a game. It, you know, they are in the same genre, I suppose, but they are so different themselves. Yeah, it's. It is like a whole new thing when compared to Bloodstain. Stuff is where we go, oh, yeah, I've played this. Excellent. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to having a go. So for number four. Yeah, so my number four is very recent. It's Paper Beast, which was only mm. released this year and I reviewed for the site. But it shot up in my sort of ratings and rantings and rankings right away because it's a VR game. And it's got this framing device, which is uh, you're some sort of physicist slash scientist slash mathematician who's needing to work out some astral navigation stuff. Doesn't matter. The minute you're in it, what it's about is solving problems and puzzles that are to help the creatures of the abstract world that you're in survive. And that's basically what it is. So it's kind of a puzzle zookeeper type game. Yeah. But being in VR, you're right in the middle of it. You can go right up to these wonderful creatures that are, you know, based on Earth creatures, but quite alien. They're made out of paper, as the game suggests. So they're kind of origami-ish, but beautifully detailed. And they all have subtly different behaviours and patterns. And you have to, basically, environmental puzzles that you're helping them overcome. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a game that's about compassion and about tenderness, which is in in itself really rare. Um, and the ultimate sort of aesthetic and emotional reward of conservation. So if you put a lot of effort into maintaining something and letting its beauty come out by being patient and gentle, it rewards you with peace and a sense of fulfilment. So in a way, it's a bit like Journey, the, uh, the, the game that came out on PS3 and then PS4. Uh, so it's... Um, it's about acceptance and about uh, just doing your best and knowing that you trying to help others is, is a good thing to do. Again, that's a really rare thing in gaming and I thought it was profoundly moving and, and very deep and I'm looking forward to actually paying for it again for the PC when it comes out and playing it through again because it's that impactful. And it, it I would say that if you own a VR headset, you absolutely have to play it yeah it, it's one of those on my list if i do get a vr headset at any point uh, but what i like from the preview pictures and your review from it and, and see videos of it is i want to see more games just realize that they're not constrained by the real world um it, yeah. it doesn't matter what you do you know your characters don't need to be realistic or even semi-realistic. So I'll come to Mavio in a bit at some point. But, you know, even Mavio is grounded in some kind of realism. Even though he's in a fantastical world, there's a degree of realism about characters and stuff like that. 
Um, and what I like about what I saw maybe this was it just does away with all that and finds other ways to convey the same emotions that you can get in like a built up wrenching story driven cycle. Yeah, I, I love seeing stuff but just trying it, just going out there and doing something different. So again, good to see something experimental on a list. Definitely. So I'd move on. My number four is another 2D indie game. And surprisingly, it's the last 2D indie game on my list. And that's Celeste, which, again, I suppose it is a roguelike. I don't like calling it a roguelike, this one, because it's just, it's fair, it's linear. And there's no sort of like starting the game with new builds. You are progressing each and every time and, you know, really well checked but pointed. Um, but it's a, it's a wonderful 2D platformer that explores love, loss, and mental health, all kinds of things like that. It's just a really wonderful way. Um, I don't want to say too much as to ruin it for anyone, but as you reach the end of that game, there's this the story kind of builds to learning acceptance, learning acceptance of your thoughts, and that you've got to take the negative thoughts and impacts and the worries and everything. You use that to make yourself stronger. But it doesn't do it in a way that says, oh, no, every negative experience is going to build you and make you stronger. It makes you better. It's good for you. Take it. What what doesn't build you makes you stronger. It doesn't have that message because throughout the day, you are, you know, constantly put down. Uh, Madeline, as main character, is constantly put down by people she meets. Basically, you're worthless at times. And it doesn't make her stronger. But then it throws in other parts that do then give a positive reinforcement that that's what makes her stronger despite the other things. But she has to let in the negatives and let the positives be what they are. And it didn't hit me to start with when I started playing the game. I started playing it almost like just a bog-down 2D uh, platformer. But it, just the way it does that, it draws you in and then just opens up Pandora's box of emotions. And it just does it in such a wonderful way. Uh, for me, it's another one of those games where I don't think I can play it again. I, I played it, I felt everything playing it, and I'm done with it. But it's one of those games now, it's just going to live with me forever. And the fact they've done it with very little interaction, the cutscenes and stuff like that, it's all done with words mainly. Very like, sort of like simple retro graphics, but it's just everything comes together in that loop perfect fusion to tell a wonderful story that again I don't think you could convey properly if that was done as a massive linear movie style game or anything like that it, it, the, the, the medium that's been found to make that absolutely spot on It's great when you've got games that they couldn't exist in any other medium they just wouldn't work, it's purely utilising everything that gaming brings um, yeah. And that definitely sounds like one of them. I, I must retry playing that one. Yeah, yeah, right down to the frustrations, and, and, and that's really good. You know, the game is hard. Like as you learn new mechanics, you have to really learn to adapt to it. And it is hard, uh, but then what it does, it gives you some really good checkpoints and allows you actually to fiddle with the difficulty as much as you need to do. And it, yeah, it's just there's just something about it. And again, yeah, anyone who gets a chance to play it now on pretty much everything, I believe. So. Yeah, there's no excuses. Awesome. Um, so I believe you're back into VR for number three. 
I am. I seldom step out of it. So it's, um, yeah, at number three I have Astrobot. It's basically a 3D platform game that's as good as pretty much any Mario game, but in VR. And it's the, that's the sort of thing that people who have been into VR have been crying out for. And PSVR brought it, and it brought it so well, brought it heavy, brought it hard. It, it the character, the character design, they've gone with that colour scheme for the PS5. That's how much of an impact this had internally in Sony. So like in a lot of VR games, you're physically present, but you are not the character that's controlled. You actually, your character in VR controls another character, which sounds odd, but that makes perfect sense. Think of it like a remote controlled car in the real world. So you're there, you're talking to your mates who are also playing with remote controlled cars, and you're looking around and you can still speak and interact with people but you have a little controller in your hand that's physically moving moving another object and it's exactly like that but the other object is a little robot and you do your regular mario platformy type stuff so you're going around and you're jumping over things jumping on their heads solving little physical puzzles and rescuing other little robots like you the difference comes really in that vr presence there's the one dimension to it, which is you use the fact that you're physically present to look around and gauge distances for jumps. And you can also look backwards, of course, so that you can navigate your char- the, the little character, the little Astrobot guy, behind yourself and then turn around and look what he's doing. Uh, but there's also some stuff that you, as the physical player, can do separate to controlling your little fella so you can be doing things with your head like directing like water blasts and fun stuff like that all of it is is very difficult to describe as it always is with vr it makes it sound far more complex than it is but that physically being there and being able to do stuff just adds a, a totally different dimension to it and it's not like adding a single other dimension it's like adding five so you're playing like mario but in a whole different way and i don't want to denigrate the the work the guys have done for sony by saying it's just mario because it's not there's there's so there's lots and lots of innovation in there the way that it uses uh, platform deformation and creating new areas and things popping up in real time and not just in front of you but in, behind you and how that changes the gameplay there's just tons and tons in it it's the probably the most attractive psvr game it uses the very simple cartoony style beautifully it's incredibly colorful really memorable boss characters and enemy characters as well as your charming little robot guy and it's just a fantastic game that you never want to put down. So, yeah, it's a, an absolute must if you've got the system. And, yeah, one of my games of the generation. Yeah, it, I, I, obviously I can't say about games while I might not play or anything, but I like the idea of seeing an, uh, an evolution in platformers in VR. But the benefit of VR is that you can look places you can't on a flat plane, that you can look around corners and stuff like that. Maybe check for enemies, check for hidden seats. And that kind of thing, and interact with the world in two different ways. It's um, hopefully the start of a, a revolution in, in the three D platform, I suppose. So yeah, it's good again to see something different in there, but not your usual story driven three D adventure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my number three is probably my most one of my safest option in terms of my my top five. That requires zero thought. For no other reason that I'm not a big fan of open world games, but this grabbed me from start to finish. I don't think I played anything else while I was 
by this. Um, I, I love Aloy's character, and her, her character art was absolutely sublime as well. Um, I thought the way it told the story on the whole was, was absolutely fantastic. There was a couple of beats that it missed, and a couple of painting issues now and again, but for an open world game, I minimal of that, I thought was spectacular. I really enjoyed taking down huge mechanical beasts. Um, it felt visible, it felt like you had to do it. Very rarely was there to the case that any of the enemies were just kind of fodder. Um, even the weak enemies, you kind of really had to play it carefully, even though you dominate them. Make the mistake they would take it down. But yeah, I, I don't really know what to say about it in terms of. I was looking at it, it just, it just, yeah, I enjoyed it. I just enjoyed an overall game for the first time in, of no power on. since probably like after they first came out and everyone was blown away by it. They just got forward, and yes, there are side quests, but they didn't seem to interfere with the game in the way you saw like uh, an Assassin's Creed or something like that, where it's just icon after icon after icon. It seemed well spread out and well paced in that regard, but yeah. Anyway, I get the start there. Yeah, definitely give that a go, and I'm really looking forward to the um, next game follow up to that. Me too. It's it's not in my list, but it's it's not far off. It's 100% definitely in my top 10, and I can't wait for the new one. I am really tempted to buy it when it comes out. The, the previous game, this one, Horizon Zero Dawn, really, really tempted to double dip and buy it on PC when it gets released, because it's fantastic, like you say. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah. Uh, I loved the fact that the story is pretty much told environmentally because I I don't like I'm not a big fan of cutscenes like I if if somebody told me they were being consigned to the dustbin of history tomorrow I wouldn't shed a tear I they're occasionally okay generally complete crap and the ones in that in in Horizon Zero Dawn I often skipped through really really quickly because I felt I was getting everything story-wise just from the environment because it tells such a a great visceral We've been overusing that word in this podcast, but it really does tell a really impactful story just in the way that it looks, and you can get a sense of the world. The creatures are fantastically designed, and yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I'm starting to rant on about how good it is no, now, but yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, it's the uh, Decimer engine, isn't it, that is used yes. in Death Stranding, and 
I, I'll talk about Death Stranding next week because I've been playing that tons yeah. despite my cutscene moan I just had a few minutes ago. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I'm going to play a game. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sit here for 200 hours watching people act badly. But um, no, you're right. The, the technology is phenomenally good. Phenomenally yeah. good. Uh, it is like magic. And, uh, yeah, and it's a game yeah. changer. It has yeah. to be a game changer because it allows, like, it's the sort of thing that's going to allow top-end games potentially to fuck of other systems and stuff like that. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. So your number two, I don't actually agree with you with your number two, but I'm going to let you explain why. Oh, that'll be interesting. So my number two is Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. And for me, it's... So there's two things. We were talking about open world games. And it's notionally an open world game. You look at it, it's got a lot of... It had a lot of physical world built for it, but it's the it's a true sandbox game. But so by that, what I mean what I mean is you drop yourself into it, and you can do pretty much anything you want in a tiny little play pit. And so there's there's traversal getting to and from where you want to be. But once you're there, it's this perfectly instanced uh, state where anything that you do can have all sorts of consequences, and. It, that's to me that's just wonderful and you can go in complete stealth you can upgrade no weapons go in hand uh, like for, for any that don't require you know a specific set of circumstances you can go in and complete that mission with your bare hands or you can go in tooled up to the nines and blow everything up or you can go in 100% stealth and have the stealth mechanic work and on top of that you got the Kojima craziness uh, Kojima if uh, I think that's the correct way of saying it Kojima craziness of there's the Fulton device and you can like send bears through a wormhole so it's yeah. just like it, it it doesn't care about th- about its verisimilitude it doesn't care about telling a story like you said about Mario you know it has fantastical elements but it's grounded in the real world and it's kind of like that except with the Phantom Pain it's all fantastical elements with this tiny like over the uh, over the top covering of reality um that you know justifies having ridiculously powerful and physics defying uh, objects weapons and utilities and stuff like that um so but before i go on go on what what what's your problem with the game what what is it you dislike so everything you say about that is 100% spot on but for me the game the intro to the game is one of the best I've ever played for an intro. The opening hour for that game is just something special to even tell that. And then I love the set piece. I love it when you actually infiltrate bases where you have to go through the individual missions. But I would rather that this was set up for in a Hitman style way where the rest of the open world get rid of it. Get rid of all that stuff. It's not needed. I'd rather you just went, look, here's a mission, here's an area. Go out about it. And that would be the game because all of that side, yeah, it is wonderful. But for me, there was just too much fluff around it that made me just not care, not want to go and do it. And which is a shame because I kind of got to the point where you was doing the actual missions and you was trying different ways to take these bases down, infiltrate, and things like that. And by the time I got there, I was like, I spent so long actually getting here. I don't know if I can be asked. And if they had just literally cut out a lot of it and allowed it just to be set piece after set piece after set piece, 
with minimal traversal to get there, then I, I honestly think it would have been one of my games of the generation. But again, open world for me. And what you've got this wonderful graph as well, just too much nothing is going on between places, and that just really put me off. Yeah, I think I think we as gamers kind of suffer from overexposure to stuff. Kojima will be like developing this game for like five or six years and go, aha, here we go, something brand new you've never seen before. And we'll go, well, yeah, we did. We, we saw most of this stuff last year in Far Cry or Assassin's yeah. Creed or whatever. And, and he'll go, yeah, but mine's better. And a lot of people will go, yeah, it's better, but I've done it. So... Yeah, there is actually, a- actually, just to interrupt you there, you mentioned Far Cry, and I know to mention Ubisoft, but this is in the past. Far Cry 2, in terms of how that local world built, as I don't think it's ever been bettered because of the way you navigated that world, where you had to bring up your map, look at your map, and then you had to travel out a mini map, and you had to do it that way. You had to learn how to orienteer up to a degree. I thought was absolutely spot on, and I, I don't think anything now gets in as well as that did in that game. Fair play, yeah. I mean, I've not played it enough to to argue one way or the other, but um, I do like the whole navigating by uh, by the environment, and you can do that in Metal Gear to to quite an extreme degree. But there's so much of having to navigate around individuals and their lines of sight that obviously you know not knowing where you are as well not know as well as not knowing where they are would be a little bit too much because yeah yeah but um no no I, I i see where you're coming from completely um yeah no i think those are reasonable points of course i think it might be a little bit like celeste in that the journey toward what you what the game wants to do with you is important because if you don't have that build up then you don't have the payoff and I think, you know, that works very well in films. It's trickier to do in games, especially as what it often means is repeating that loop over and over. So, again, with Death Stranding, to do another Kojima game, there's a lot of long, torturous walking. So it's just, you know, trudging through very similar-looking landscapes with this constant threat in the background that never materialises. But it pays off by, in two ways, one having the threat eventually emerge and then you're dealing with it and or getting a power-up like just a car and suddenly understanding how important and how what a big thing it is just to be able to go at you know 15 miles an hour rather than three miles an hour yeah and yeah it's like it, some people will love that and some people will hate it and the best games are divisive like that i think so i think you're totally right that can be really off-putting for people. Uh, for me, it wasn't, and I loved it, but I it, I would never say that somebody was, quote-unquote, wrong for not enjoying that. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form, it's a bad game, or how dare anyone put that. It, you can clear everything about that game is done so well. It's crafted well. Even, I say, even the traversal, it's done well. It was just too much for me, and that, that is it feel all it is. It's, I think, one of those games I, I don't like myself for not liking it because oh. I know I should. It's one, it's a weird, one of those weird ones. Like, um, but I've never really got on as old as the Metal Gear Solid series. I, I kind of enjoyed them but never understood the fuss. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it's just one of those things. Like everyone has a, a blind spot to the game sometimes. I think that's just it for me. 
totally fair. So my number two comes from probably one of my favourite creators of the last few years, and that's uh, Ed Lines from San Marlo. And I'm going to caveat that with if you're going to play Ed Lines, play her story first. They're not related, but trust me, play her story first and get an idea of what to expect. But basically, San Marlo does um, these amazing, amazing full uh, motion video games and we're not talking like Mad Dog 3 style full motion video games either or night trap. They feel real. You feel all the emotion. They're well acted and the way he uses them is um, absolutely So to give place an idea of structure telling lights you play this investigator possibly whoever it is and you've given this uh, operating system and on this operating system is files and a program that allows you to scrub through secret recordings of people um, some secret recordings some not secret and you kind of watch through them you take your own notes you then search terms within a space place uh, five by four videos and try and think what, who, who are all these people who are they together what's their relationship why, why are you doing this? And you just go through and you go through and you go through, you make note after note after note. You watch videos three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. God knows how many times you find the little nuances in what's being discussed. You see a discussion from one angle, you make note, try and find that discussion from another angle, from the other person, and you make more notes. Then that takes you back in time to a, a video that you watched 20 minutes ago that might have something to do with that you make more notes and you kind of go down the path of discovery and work out who all these people are what their story is and what's brilliant about San Marlo and Teddy Lies and her story especially is that for me there was no end game there's no finish to the game you kind of I mean there is and I won't won't spoil it all but you come to your own conclusions and that's what it's about you feel like by the time you're done, you want to go and see your, you know, your higher up, or you want to go and see your client and send all your evidence to them for, for whatever it is they hired you for. Um, and the emo- immersion in these games is absolutely brilliant. I play 10 in live on the Switch, and I put the headphones on for it. You sit in there, and it's kind of really great. Like you're actually looking into the computer screen, working at a computer desk, and you hear external noises. So, like, at night, you'll hear like traffic, like during an apartment, you'll hear traffic outside. You might hear birds, or you might hear people upstairs. Just all in the background noise, very, very subtly. And you get reflections on the screen enough to make you believe you're actually sitting there in front of a screen and everything around you is real. And you're conscious of that, but not conscious at the same time. You're trying to concentrate on everything that's going in front of you. Now, in first story, I remember sitting there and I had cups of coffee strewn all over my desk. I had posted notes up and around my screen. I had a notebook out. I was scribbling down notes. And the only reason I couldn't do that on uh, Teddy Lights was I was playing it on the sofa on the switch. But I was making mental notes. I started using the laptop to make notes. And it's just really weird. A game that doesn't do anything, doesn't have any kind of tutorial, any kind of goal. As such, just got you in there 
it's just so emotive. It's just so full of wonderful performances. And what it does for the, the FMV genre, it's just absolutely out of this world. And I, I've said it to San Barlow directly. He could come to a steaming turd on my dinner plate and I would laugh it up graciously. He is that damn good at what he does. Oh, that's a charming image. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, this is where like you, you disagreed on mine and I disagree uh, with this one. And for a very, very specific reason, and that's because well sorry let me backtrack a little bit so I'm talking about her story here I've not played his latest but for her story I figured out the mystery in the second scene like I worked Mm. out what was going on almost immediately and I played it all the way through but then it was just kind of like how do I force a game to go to where I already am mentally because <laughs> and normally I'm kind of like M Night Shyamalan would absolutely love me because I'm like I get completely rolled by twists like they yeah. they completely get me every time I'm I'm a thicko I just follow the kind of like surface story and you know that's me but with this one for some reason I was just like oh oh it's that yeah. and then I couldn't you know I couldn't really draw any entertainment from it. And I wonder how many people have had that, how many people kind of were invested and like, yeah, and had no idea and then they worked out the mystery and how many just clicked to it early on and therefore the rest of the game was wasted. And I think you're going to lose a lot of audience like that, which is a shame. But so does the sequel, is the sequel a little bit tougher to intuit sort of early on? I, I think so. I mean, again, with her story, I think... I've- a lot of it possibly depends on how you approach it, what, what, what you go through. And I, I, I didn't swing early at all. And just at the point, I think maybe if there was something had to present at the end, like give you more of a reason to continue, like you worked out the fish, but what if you've got to present this in a way to somebody? And in her story, some of the dudes uh, nothing, even though you feel they should. And there are some bits, you know, they're not perfect. By any stretch of the imagination, but for me, I love them. But Teddy Lies, I think, does handle it a bit better. There's multiple actors um, in the game for a start, and their interactions are actually a lot more interesting because that's how they, you know, one character acts with another character, how they act with a third character is interesting. And it's really weird because I think you almost need to approach it like it's not a game. But at the same time, it is a game. Uh, but yeah, but some of that Teddy Pies does it better. But again, with everything, it's the same as I suppose if you go into a field and someone told you the main plot twists, you kind of you sit in there and you're not taking in what the director's vision was. And I think that would be the same with Teddy Pies and first of If you if you take it earlier, you get told you're not going to get as much from it as I did. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the sequel sounds. Uh... Like it's one I should try out, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, they're worth the experience. I, I, I don't know what how many FMV games you've played, but again, regardless of how you feel about the gameplay mechanics and whether you say you you picked up early on it, there's no denying. Just in terms of an FMV game, it's it yet to be bettered because it uses it takes away the weaknesses of FMV and uses that as a strength. 
yeah, no, I'd never really played anything like that because they were yeah. mostly PC based and, and I never had a PC when I was your like seventh guest and stuff like that. But I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the interaction. I did enjoy yeah. that. I thought it worked really well and I thought it was going to put me off. But no, the deep mystery side and the way that, that I, can't, I can't even imagine how he was able to construct something, you know, that in depth and have it work and, and link together in a puzzle. That's uh, yeah. just fantastically clever. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I like the format. Uh, I'm willing to give it another go. Yeah, as I said, again, it's not for everyone at all. So it is, again, your mind will bear with So you can do second shoot. What? What? Yes, I am. Go into the bedroom. Where do you want to go? So, moving on from actual video-based stuff, your number one show is practical title, really, that I don't think anyone's heard of. Well, I, I think we're going to break in with our special mentions uh, just before we do that, are we? Oh, God, yeah, we were. Yes, we'll do that then. We'll hold off your your unknown title for your number one <laughs> okay cool um, yeah well I'll, I'll tell you what my special mentions are I've gone back and forth on these so much because oh man it's so difficult because what you're doing is trying not to just make it you know points you know six seven eight you're trying to yeah there's got to be something that really really draws them out so to that end uh, my first special mention is Half-Life Alex, and the reason it's it's not in my top five because it easily could have been it's just simply because it's not really part of this generation. When the next generation comes out and VR is more accessible to people, and the machines can play it better, other than just really powerful PCs, I think it would be much more comfortable sitting in that generation. But it is absolutely fantastic and if you have the means play it but I would not class it as a generational title really it's it's in its weird subcategory and that kind of applies to my second one which is Wipeout Amiga Collection which is the best VR racing game bar none it transforms Wipeout it makes it the thing that it always could and could have been and should have been or whatever uh, it, being able to look into the corners makes you so much more proficient because unlike track surface touching <laughs> games racing games yeah. i don't know physically connected to the track racing games um the anti-gravity ones because they've got loops and twists like a roller coaster being present so you can move your head and ignore things that are obstructing your view and look into where you need to be is uniquely useful so again i'm keeping it out just because it's a game from well, 10 11 years ago and yeah. it's been tarted up it kind of deserves to be in this generation because of the VR thing but kind of doesn't so it deserves to be played but not really part of this generation and the third and final one is Doom the 2016 one and uh, the only reason I kept that out is because it, it's just it's, it's fantastic but it doesn't break any boundaries yes I mean the, the whole push forward to win rather than going to cover is a really nice pleasant slap in the face to most first person shooters which are be strategic get behind cover blah 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 calling your teammates and it's bombastic it's ludicrous it's stupid and it plays into all of that i think it 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 delivers a lesson that even its sequel sounds like it's forgotten which is it's all about the games forget about cutscenes. you don't really need story you just need to have a great environment in which to mess about uh, like a toddler uh, so it definitely makes a subsidiary list you know with full merit for that so yeah those are my three honourable mentions yeah that's good I mean Doom, Doom yeah that is really good that nearly made it to mine 
Sorry, Stu. Two seconds. Yeah, no worries. Take your time. Hey, Edith, what's wrong? You want to come sit with me? Yeah? Are you coming sit with me? We'll let's join in. That's awesome. Edith, sit with me now. I'll kind of work her into it a little bit. Cool. Hi, Edith. Uh, hello. Hi. Hiya. So, <laughs> so, so, I've just been joined by... Uh, a special guest, just before we get into my honourable mentions. Some people have heard of before because she started helping me with you guys based on what they look like, haven't you, Edith? Yeah, and, they, and we saw a snake on the gate. And we saw a snake on the gate, yes. She likes Tetris. Yes, that looks like Tetris, yes, who is our snake. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is going to get our most numbers. We're going to get the most numbers now because she's better than all of us, aren't you? Definitely. And all the dead, yeah. The other snake dead. I remember yeah. the snake game that she talked about. I remember seeing that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll give that a couple of one day, won't we? Yeah. 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 So, my honorable mentions, yeah. go through. first are Bloodborne. Now, I've never completed Bloodborne, so oh. it probably shouldn't be on my, but that's why the reason it wasn't on my top five. But I, the first game that I played on the PS4 that just like, just really just blew me away. And, it's my first real effort to play like a Souls-like game properly, and I done a stream for it. And the feeling I got when I beat Mark Gascoigne for the first time in that game just has never been bettered. I celebrated like my football team had just scored the last minute goal with a tie. It was just such a wonderful feeling. But yeah, and it's just a wonderful game that I do want to go back into one day. My next is Mario Odyssey. Mario! Mario! Yeah, Mario. you like Mario, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Hey, I Mario say it on my show, but yeah. I say it on a shooting game. Yeah. Can yeah. we not say that one, though? You don't play shooting games. No. no. <laughs> you say Mario Paper Day. Hey, Mario Paper Day, yes. Yeah. So, Mario Odyssey, 3D platformer, uh, and I think it is just the best example of when stuff right. It is just Wow. Absolutely spectacular. No, I know. Um, and my final one is kind of a, a cover of a whole genre. Uh, but I'm picking this one out particularly because it tries to do something yeah. different. My other one is Murder by Numbers, which is yeah. a Picross title with a murder mystery story set in the 80s Hollywood uh, behind it. And it's just, if you get a chance, have it to the wonderful. Yeah. Play it. Yeah. Enjoy the Phoenix Fire-esque story that's there, along with Kit Ross to okay. actually solve no, clues and move the story no. forward. Oh, and not another one of those. Not <laughs> There's far too many of those Pit Cross murder mysteries going around. I know, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> what? 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 Yeah. Yeah, okay. Animal Crossing, yes, you like Animal Crossing. Yeah. And I was going to go... Is that your favourite game? Yeah. Yeah? Is that your number one game of the generation? Uh, yeah, I have it on my um, Xbox. Your 3DS? No, it's not my 3DS. It is? Oh, it's my Xbox. Okay, your Xbox, fine, but your 3DS. Yeah. yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah. Yes. It's not one of ours, but it's a, it's a lovely That's game. Fine. And now I'll go and get a 3DS Xbox for people. 
Uh, she definitely wins some sort of cute award. No, she really doesn't. But yes. Uh, no, you're number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, my my number one is is quite a vanilla choice, really. It's the Legend of Zelda: The Breath of the Wild, and oh yeah, for me, it was just <laughs> she's so cute. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it, even if you don't like the game, you, everyone kind of recognises that it's brilliantly put together. But what I really loved about it was going back to that thing from you know, Phantom Pain of these little instances of, you know, high action and great fun and variety. And even though the the world is very big, it never feels over large. Every part of it seems to have uh, a unique aspect to it, like deep canyons and small, small streams and high mountains. And it utilizes that so well that you've got this overworld full of variety and beauty and it's, it's split into these sort of three tiers but very subtly so the overworld and then you've got like below ground which are always the the dungeons and they're exciting and they're very technical and then you've got like this aerial threat that's uh, the kind of where the bosses are and what they are and that's kind of very momentous and standing on them is very precarious so it tells another really good story in its world building that when you're up high you get a real sense of vertigo and when you're down low you get the sense of oppression under the earth and then when you're on the above ground you feel like you're the one in control and that really propels the story it doesn't need a great deal of narrative you can just explain to the to the player uh why this is so important why saving this world is is such an important thing to do just by connecting straight away with your emotions and making things beautiful um quite apart from that you could make a case for it being the best looking game of all time there's some stiff competition but blimey days i mean it just looks stunning and it's basically running on an enhanced gamecube because that's all the their consoles have been nintendos since uh since the gamecube came out they've just kind of gone yeah we we like making money let's just keep using these <laughs> this uh this architecture so it's been beefed up but it's like you know it's still pretty old and it just looks phenomenal and it's a it's a joy to play because of that and yeah there's the stuff in it that that people dislike and i can totally get on board with like the weapon breaking mechanic it's very you're kind of conditioned and used to weapons incrementally getting better and and then you're using them and um you know relying on them and then to have everything be impermanent other than master sword uh you know it's a big shock to the system and some people can't go over that i totally understand it but for me it never really bothered me i liked the variety It, it added and it made you think differently and without yeah. sort of going on for the next six hours yeah that's my number one of the generation yeah uh, you, you talk about it being possibly one of the best looking games of all time and I'm with you on that it shows how much art direction really really matters for me looking at it now and I can't wait till I can actually open up the game to see how good it looks at high setting but when you look at the facial features on Hellblade that you're satisfied, I think that that's hit so far the pinnacle of, of actual visual fidelity in terms of graphics. But I much prefer something that is maybe less impressive in terms of look how realistic this is, but just now the art style. But yeah, Breath of the Wild does that. As you say, for me, 
the, the weapon mechanics are a little bit of a pain, but not enough to ruin the game. And just the switch to open world just took me a little bit too long to get in to get used to, possibly. But once it opens up even further, this is a bit of a surprise about that game. It just got better. Whereas I, I say the argument I had over Metal Gear Solid Five was that I didn't like the traversal. That getting from area to area didn't feel entertaining enough. It's totally different here. It just feels special every moment you are in that game. Uh, so yeah, what well, it's a great choice for number one. So I gave it a generation is a thirty one year old game. And that is Tetris. Tetris. It is Tetris, yeah. I'm also thinking of Tetris. But yeah, so Tetris 99 broke Tetris effect. I know. Uh, I, I make no secret of the past. I love Tetris. It is my favourite game no, no, of all time. I always win. I always win, yes. I don't always win, but I get the most. I, um, I win. I like it. Okay. And when Tetris 99 was first introduced, I like many people win. What on earth a Nintendo smoking? A Tetris Battle Royale game. And then by the end of the train, I was like, yeah, I'm on board with this. I, I, I think this could be pretty good. I didn't realise how good. I also didn't realise that it had the longevity that it's got and how the other people would pick up on it. Um, it's played, it plays Tetris wonderfully well for a start. And the way it's introduced Battle Royale mechanics is absolutely sublime. Uh, you can attack, defend, you can loot on it. So every time you knock someone out, you're looting them to get him, um, to get their knockout stars, badges and fragments. Yeah. And then you use those, you've got more of those. Instead of sending one or two lines of garbage to opponents, you send three, four, five, because you've got the badges to give it a boost. And you learn how to play Tetris as well. I've always played before quite safely, like build up a well, try and get a line, maybe a couple of combos. Uh, wasn't great at T-spins. I definitely couldn't do like a T-spin triple. I couldn't do like an S or Z spin. Whereas now I can set those up and I can do them and I can react. I can get to the top in a battle with someone where I make one mistake game over because I can't see what's going on. But I can work my way down from that plane almost blindly knowing what's coming. And it just improves my skills as a gamer tenfold. Um, and it's just absolute joyful to play. I can pick up from that one game for the last five minutes and move on to go do dinner or go out or do something else. Or I can sit there for hours playing. No, I've played over nearly 4,000 games of it. I've got over 400 hours in the game, uh, not just this version. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm the only Battle Royale I'm good at. You know, I've got 260 odd wins out of it, which I know nowhere near some of the best players, but I had one, maybe two wins at Fortnite. So, you know, it's definitely different. And to accompany that is Tetris Effect which is Tetris reimagined by, and I can't be bad, I didn't make a note today, but by Doug Fred. Um, and its music-based visuals are absolutely wonderful. And it, again, it's Tetris, but it's different because of how it's played. 
various different modes, different music tracks, different ways of scoring, and it's just wow. Just absolutely wow. Gets it named from the idea that when people used to play Tetris when it first came about, they'd go to bed dreaming of the shapes and how the game was played and it still had head and Tetris effect does that. Tetris Guide 9 does that. And there's a reason why those games are still made today, why they're still super popular today of well, despite having loads of different tweaks and visual upgrades and additions modes, possibly like with the Battle Royale mode set nine, the core gameplay has remained the same for thirty years and it's just a testament to how damn good that game is and yeah, my game of this generation or any generation. Excellent. I, you can't really leave it out. It's um I mean obviously like the the true hero is the the person who introduced you to Tetris Effect, which is me, uh by, <laughs> by giving you the game. But no, I um yeah, I played it in VR and uh it, it adds a really lovely element to it. It, it very obviously very immersive and allows that trippiness. It's Mitsugushi, isn't it? The the guy, yes. yeah, it is, yeah. I didn't want to butcher his name, but I was trying to remember. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, yeah. And oh. Lumens is one of my favourite games of all Lumines. time as well. Did you say I say Lumines. Yeah, I no, I've never known. Yeah, Christ knows, but yeah. So yeah, no, it's an absolute fabulous game, and I like the fact that it it uses a similar dynamic of like a time bar to to do something special in it kind of thing um yeah absolutely fabulous games and, and worthy winners yeah oh definitely and, and what we'll say with this again these are just our personal choices you know if there's something that's been great this last generation that's not in there it's not because we don't like it it's just the game that have resonated with us the most and i'm <laughs> the mario scary game the week you mentioned Oh, I like that. You like that game? I don't have that game yet. So, we have it on Switch. Yeah, that's yeah, a nice game. It is a good game, yes. Uh, but yeah, it's, with these, it's, these games are the technics, like the best games technically, all of them, in terms of maybe better critic ratings or, or, or anything like that, or even how they do this. But it's not always about how good the game is, it's about what you personally get from it. Um, if you like a game that has rated 4 out of 10, then good for you. That's absolutely good for you. Mm. If you, you know, don't have to like what everyone else likes, but the fact that the up in the open game probably came close to being in both of our lists was going to be The Legend of Zelda. And I wondered, should I put that in? Should I put that in? But it just didn't resonate with me as much as the other game. And the reason it wasn't in my honourable mention, so I already knew Stuart's with it, he's number one. There's no point talking about it twice. Um, but generally, I think that list are completely different, and it shows that's what games should be about, that enjoy your own things. You have got to like everyone else likes, and just do you. You're not hurting anyone. Um, don't like Sonic 4, because that was not all fashion. You'd dead to if you like that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so this week no mental health that because obviously we dragged on about this, so it's a, a, a it's a week off from that. But I suppose yeah. in some sort of way we do need a bit of a break from our own mental health at times. So it's it stands to reason, I suppose. 
But yeah, if you do want to talk to us about anything, as usual, our Discord is open to you. Please come and join us there. We're going to be doing more videos and stuff on YouTube. I got a purple dot. Got a purple what? Dot. Oh. Yeah, a purple one. Okay. I'm doing more videos with my daughter that we um, review games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can play the other one. Yeah. I've just got to work out how to yeah. set it up because apparently she's not allowed to play all the duty and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm doing stuff with me. If she, she's um, turned into a mini B, she actually loves games at three years old. And I'm jealous because I never had access to one, two, three, four, five, six gaming devices, seven if you include phones at her age that I could play what I wanted. I had an Atari that I was allowed to play with no one else watching the telly. Yeah, because I don't In my day, so, this was all fields. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could. No, in my day, we couldn't afford fields. <laughs> yeah, still. It was um, gravel, yeah, gravel so, for us, gravel for dinner. Yeah. Oh, gravel. I used to love the taste of gravel. It's better back then. <laughs> Not with all your sugar and salt in it now, taken out. The coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, we almost made it. Almost made it through a full episode without mentioning the virus. Yeah. Oh no. Bugger. Uh, but the reason why she's getting involved in doing videos with me now, but there you go. Doesn't matter. Uh, because this is obviously a less serious one when we're actually going into the, the, the mental health stuff, then I don't mind them being born with us. But yeah, okay, this will go if you want to chat to us, more stuff on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. And if you want to pay us, shut Edith up, you can do that by Patreon and Coffee. Yeah, shut you up. Or to get her to talk more often. That would be good yeah, as well. Way, yeah, yeah. Pay me, she'll talk more often, or pay me, she'll shut up. Either way, you can pay us. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously not it's up to you we do all this because we enjoy it and we feel get the message to go out so thank you for listening and stay safe and we'll be back next week for episode 26 yeah.